1: Got you six, we got you back.
0: Got you six, we got you back. I got you, six. Sixers, what an absolute treat we have today. John McCaskill is here. You've probably seen him almost anywhere on LinkedIn. I know him from the Men Talking Mindfulness podcast, which he co-hosts with Will. It's just an absolute great resource for really anybody to understand the impacts of mindfulness on you know, not only your life, relationships, and emotions. John, thank you so much for being here today.
1: Hey, Tony. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited for the conversation. I know we're going to have a lot of fun.
0: Absolutely. So you know, you spent 24 years in the Navy as a Navy SEAL, commanding as a Navy SEAL. Then you get out and you go into this mindfulness journey, which is just incredible. And I know we're going to dive into throughout our conversation. But through all that, And, you know, coming from the Naval Academy, graduated in 2001, what do you constantly implement on a daily basis from that time?
1: Yeah, well, I, I think several of the things that we learned in the military, or at least had honed in the military, we may, we may have learned them before, but we really had them honed in the military. I think the the one actually we were discussing right before you hit record is being on time and in the in the right place at the right time in the right uniform. I almost missed this, uh, this episode because I lost track of time, but then I looked at my calendar and boom, there it was. And I was like, okay, I got to be with Tony. Sorry, I got to break this call. I, I got somewhere to be. So being in the right place, in the right uniform at the right time that is something that you carry forward with you for your entire military career. And I think just that simple thing pays dividends, pays dividends in the military, and it pays dividends outside of the military, you know, staying on time. I think having some type of morning routine that includes some level of fitness. My morning routine is certainly not what it used to be in the SEAL teams, but it's still, it's still I get up early, I try to get a, some type of workout in, and then, uh, you know, Go, start going about my day with the foundation of my day already set through that. And then respect. We have a respect for our, our colleagues in the military, not necessarily or exclusively rank, but we have respect for our brothers and sisters that are serving beside us. And I think that I've carried that forward into, into my civilian work that I do now with, uh, with my civilian brothers and sisters. So yeah, those are the things that I've, I've continued to implement outside of the military.
0: I want to touch on respect for a second because you highlighted both respect for yourself and respect for others, respect for your morning routine and making sure you start the day the right way, the best way that you can, because that comes through constant iteration. And then the other piece is respect for others, right? You're not always the most senior person in the room. So you're showing up in the right uniform, on time, at the right place, just sets the right tone going into any conversation, discussion, meeting. And I think that's really critical. And sometimes we lose sight of that, you know, having that respect for not only others, which is, I think what we constantly look at, but really respect for ourselves.
1: Yeah. I think that's, that's something that so many of us forget about is respect for self and, and self-care as a leader within a corporate organization, as a leader within the military, as a leader within your family, as a parent, you know, we get wrapped up in taking care of those uh, within our team. And, and when we do that, a lot of the time we put ourselves last if we put ourselves anywhere and we, we end up you know, falling apart. And that's not what we should be doing as leaders. I do appreciate the book like Simon Sinek's Leaders Eat Last. I, I do appreciate that, that idea. But at some point, you have to take care of yourself first uh, so that you can put your team at the top of your priority list and take care of them. Because if you're not taking care of yourself, eventually you're going to fall apart and you're not going to be able to take care of your team. And that, that starts with respect for yourself. And it starts with something like a morning routine, eating right, taking care of yourself physically, mentally, I also want to hit on that, taking care of yourself mentally so that you can take care of your troops, so that you can take care of your colleagues, so that you can take care of your family. You got to start with yourself
0: right? And starting with yourself really underlines that self-awareness piece, leading yourself first before you can lead others. With you talking about mindfulness so much, is there like a book or communication, a video you saw that really kind of changed the game for you when it comes to mindfulness? Or was it just a culmination of different events that happened throughout your military career that brought you to this path where you are today?
1: I wish it was a book or something that I'd found early on in my career, but I actually was on various medications before I ever started meditation, I was on various medications to deal with my own anxiety and stress and uh, some survivor guilt that I was carrying with me. And that numbed me to a point that, uh, you know, I I kind of lost any sense of fulfillment or any sense of joy. It it helped to numb the pain, but it also numbed any joy. And I still think that there's a time and place for these various medications, but I, I, I think that where I was, I didn't need them. So I I looked into coming off of them. And the particular counselor that I was working with was like, well, if you're going to come off of the medication, I want you to try meditation. I want you to try mindfulness. And uh, I laughed at him because right? I thought that I was kind of this this guy that was too tough for that stuff. And that meditation was for the weirdos. And it was some type of weird snake oil that you had to have a lot of faith in for it to work. Well, he showed me the science behind it, the data behind it, why it works and and how it works. And once he showed me that uh, along with some very high performing individuals who practice it, then I was sold. Uh, and I went and downloaded a, you know, a, a meditation app. I started using Insight Timer and I still use Insight Timer fairly regularly to this day. But I went home, downloaded it and was like, okay, I'm going to jump into an hour long meditation. And uh, I made it about you know, 17 seconds before my mind wandered off to whatever it was thinking about, the the past, the future, my to-do list, uh, you know, something that I'd screwed up yesterday, whatever. And I started getting very frustrated. And I went back to that same counselor, and I told him, oh, this meditation stuff, it's not for me. And he asked me what I meant. Why, why wasn't it for me? And I told him, hey, I jumped into this hour-long meditation, and I didn't make it very long before I got frustrated, and I quit like, well, that's like lining up at the starting line of a marathon and having never run a mile or going into the weight room and getting under the bench press with 300 pounds on the bar without ever having lifted before. That's not what we do. And, you know, that was he was speaking my language because SEALs <laughs> like to work out. So I, I understood what he was talking about. So I went home after that and I found sh- some much shorter meditations, like like four and five minute meditations, some very simple breath work. And I did that, and I did several of those per day for several weeks until I worked my way up to like a 15-minute meditation. And by the end of eight weeks or so, I started to see that the benefits were lasting, and they were overlapping from one meditation to the next. And not only were the benefits lasting from a meditation, I was starting to live more mindfully. And that's that's a big difference. Is you know Mindfulness and meditation quite often get used synonymously, and they're not the same. There's some overlap, and they support one another and benefit one another, but they're not the same. But I was starting to live more mindfully, so being more present in the moment with my friends, my colleagues, and my family, and feeling much more of a sense of fulfillment, again, with my friends, my colleagues, and my family, and when I was alone. I mean, there was times I was just like sitting there, and I was taking in the time and space that I was in and really appreciating it. And so I attribute mindfulness and meditation to changing my life for the better and quite honestly, saving my life. But it was all through a counselor that recommended it. And not only did he recommend it, but he had enough patience with me to kind of walk me through the physiology behind it and then introduce me to an app that I downloaded. And again, I I still use to this day, but there's tons of apps out there and, you know, different strokes for different folks. But yeah, I started with Insight Timer.
0: And we're going to make sure that's linked in the show notes. But what is really fascinating is especially, you know, coming from that kind of culture of like, I am the strongest obstacle in the way for any challenge that's going to be presented. You always kind of have to go back to putting in the reps before you can really look to take away any benefits from something. So for somebody who doesn't have any reps when it comes to meditation, what would you tell them five minutes, 10 minutes, 30 seconds? Like, what does that look like for somebody starting on a meditation journey?
1: For someone who's starting, I I recommend, don't even call it meditation, just call it breath work, and start with something as easy as what we call box breathing. So you breathe in for four seconds, hold it for four seconds, breathe out for four seconds, hold it for four seconds, and you do that four or five times. And the reason it's called box breathing for the listeners who didn't see what I was doing there is basically the four seconds of each part of it make the sides of a box. So you've got you know box breathing, and that can take as little as two minutes. Start with that, and start to see the effects of it, and do that several times through through a day, um, and then see how those effects start to overlap, and then start to do more in depth and longer meditations. You know, work your way up to maybe ten minutes. Work your way up after that to another fifteen minutes. But give yourself some grace. Don't try to jump into something too too in depth or of any extreme length right off the bat, work your way up to that.
0: And knowing you're someone, John, who constantly, you know, what you say is what you're already doing and giving yourself some grace, is there something that you're currently working on now that you are starting as a complete beginner and a novice at?
1: (laughs) I'm glad you asked that, man. Yes. uh, I actually, last Monday, so not this past Monday, but the Monday before, about a week, a week and a half ago. I just started a new job with a virtual reality and augmented reality company uh, working to, to bring the warfighter home at the end of every day. Uh, it's called 3D Media. And I have very little experience in the virtual reality world and in the augmented reality world. But they didn't bring me in because of my, my experience in that. They brought me in because they, they think that I can help them to grow. And with my leadership experience, I can help with the, the company inside as well. But it's just like everything else new, you're the new guy. There's a steep learning curve. They're throwing out a bunch of acronyms that are, are basically Greek to me. And uh, I'm, I'm having to get comfortable being uncomfortable again, You know, being the new guy. And, and I won't say at the bottom of the totem pole because I don't feel that there is a totem pole at this company, but I definitely feel like the new guy because of my lack of knowledge. But you get comfortable being uncomfortable and you overcome that learning curve, and then you start to grow. And it's, it's actually a good feeling to, to be uncomfortable that way.
0: What do you do when you feel that sense of like uncomfortableness uh, setting in, especially when you're in a new position like you are at 3D Media?
1: Yeah, well, I, I think you have to be open and honest and be brave enough to be vulnerable and say, you know what, I don't know what it is you're talking about. And I think about it similarly to coming from the Naval Academy, and going into the SEAL teams, you know, I'm wearing my butter bar as a, as a brand new ensign, get into this, the SEAL teams after going through the training. You kind of think highly of yourself as an officer, and then you're like, you know what? I actually know nothing. These senior enlisted guys who've been in the teams for a while, they're the ones who know what the ground truth is, and they're the ones that I need to ask questions. But it's, it's a little bit scary to metaphorically take those bars off as an officer and take rank off and go up to some folks and say, "You know what? I don't know what I'm doing here. I need to ask a question. It's scary to be that vulnerable, but you reap the rewards from it because now, one, you gain the respect of your colleagues and potentially your enlisted men, or uh, you know for the civilian world, maybe those men and women that are below you as far as rank, but uh, you know they, they they start to see you as, as someone who is brave enough to admit that he doesn't know everything, but also wants to learn. And I think that's, the, that's the, the key, is that you have that beginner's mindset or growth mindset, and you always want to learn so that you can always be a better version of yourself for yourself and for those you're leading.
0: Do you think having that growth mindset has really been the most impactful thing that really has proven your life, not only in the military, but now in the you know, private sector? Constantly leading other people that are much more knowledgeable in different areas that you're just trying to manage at some point throughout their career as well as your career. I don't know whether it's necessarily
1: been the most, but it's been hugely impactful. And in the military, in the private sector, in the public sector, but it's also been hugely impactful as a father. I, you know I got started late as a father. I've, I've got three young kids. I've got a four year old, a two year old, and a seven month old, and i'm forty four. So I got started late, and I I remember before I had kids, I've got three older sisters and a younger brother. My three older sisters have kids, and I would give them advice on parenting (laughs) without any kids. I would give them advice, and now I've got kids of my own, and I realized that, one, that advice was unsolicited, and two, it was most likely wrong uh, because you you really don't know until you have kids, but now- I've got kids and I'm asking other fathers, other parents, and I'm going through a, a program my, myself to learn how to be a, pe- a better parent, how to manage my emotions, how to be more present with my kids, how to be more emotionally available for them. You know, the, the beginner's mindset, that growth mindset, it applies in all walks of life, professionally, personally, corporate side, military side, family side, and that can greatly impact who you are and how you are as a leader, how you are and who you are as a parent. Um, so it's, it's very important, I think, to constantly be learning, constantly be asking questions, and constantly looking to improve.
0: Like you said, that growth mindset is critical. So then, what is the most beneficial belief that really has impacted your life the most?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's probably tied to that growth mindset. Is is the the fact that vulnerability is not weakness you know being able to ask questions and show that you don't know everything admit that you don't know everything because at some point by acting like you know everything when you don't you're going to mess up you're going to mess up and that could you know at best cause a bad day at work or cause a, a bad day in the family at worst it could cause loss of life i mean depending on what what industry you're in or what branch of the military you're in or whatever it is that you're doing in the military, it could literally lead to the loss of life. Um, So you've got to be brave enough to be vulnerable and ready to ask questions. But I guess, like I said, that's tied to that that growth mindset and the beginner's mindset. So they're, they're similar. There's a lot of
0: overlap there. Having that vulnerability and that growth mindset only can come from a place where failure has occurred. What failure has been your greatest success? throughout your career life?
1: Wow, <laughs> we could talk all day, man. Um, I don't know that I necessarily have one that that jumps to mind right off the bat, but I can tell you a, 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 one of them in high school, I applied to get into the Naval Academy and and got denied. And you know, I, I remember the letter coming in the mail and saying, you didn't get in because you didn't have the grades in X, Y, and Z because you don't have the well-roundedness, uh, because you haven't been involved in enough extracurricular activities. And I, I was like, okay, all right, well, I'm going to go ahead and enlist in the Navy. So I, I enlisted first before I ever went to the Naval Academy. And while I was enlisted, I worked to get my grades up. You know, I went to, I, I did some schooling on on my own and, and got uh, schooled up on calculus and, and, uh, beefed up on, on some physics and chemistry. And then, and then got involved in some of the extracurricular activities that you can as an, as an enlisted sailor um, and then reapplied from the enlisted ranks and ended up getting a secretary of the Navy nomination and appointment to, to the Naval Academy. Um, And I think that was a, that was a big one. But at first when I got that letter, I was, I was beat down. Yeah. I was crushed, man. I was like, okay, I'm just not, I'm not as good as I thought I was. I'm okay. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, hide in my turtle shell and never come out. And I, I could have very easily done that. And many people do. But I was trained by my, I ran track and cross country and my my coach didn't really ever accept failure, didn't accept a uh, poor work ethic. And My father and my parents were the same way. So I, I think that helped me out a lot. Uh, but there were many, many other failures along the way that I, I learned a, a tremendous amount from. And I believe that every one of those be one of those literal and figurative scars that I have from from my life, I've become better for it.
0: You close with you know allowing that failure to make you better. So then I'll, I'll have to ask you as we kind of close out our time here, John McGaskill, how are you better than yesterday?
1: Yeah, well, I think I'm more emotionally available. I'm more aware of my own personal needs much more fulfilled in my life today than I was ten years ago or, or even six years ago because I am present. I am in the moment. I have learned what not being present and in the moment can do for you. It it can cause undue anxiety when you worry too much about the future. I mean thinking for or thinking about rather, thinking about and planning for the future is one thing, but continually worrying about it, that causes a significant level of undue anxiety, um, stewing about the past, ruminating over it, that causes a significant amount of depression. But when you're in the moment, present, like I'm, be, I'm present with you right here, Tony, and I'm, I'm appreciating this conversation. And that gives me a sense of joy and fulfillment. When I go home later this evening and I'm with my kids, I'm going to be present and in the moment. And that's all you get. You only get this present moment. The future doesn't exist yet. The past is gone. There's nothing you can do about it except learn from it. But other than that, man, uh, I think I'm, I'm happier, healthier, and more fulfilled. And I'm a better husband, father, and man because of it.
0: You just wrapped it up beautifully. I, John, I can't thank you enough for your time. Where can people connect with you? You know, other than men talking mindfulness podcast.
1: Yeah. Well, Hey, thanks for that plug. Yeah. Definitely check out the men talking mindfulness podcast. Uh, we think it's great. <laughs> some some of it our is. audience appreciate it. Is. it. <laughs> as a
0: listener, absolutely.
1: Yeah, um, and then uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, John McCaskill, J-O-N. Last name is M-A-C-A-S-K-I-L-L, and I'm sure Tony will have that in the notes. Um, I'm on LinkedIn primarily, but I am on Instagram as well as Mindful Frogman uh, is my uh, my Instagram name, and uh, and then you can just look me up on johnmccaskill.com. That's uh, that's my personal website
0: and just be mindful see I, got, I had to get it just a little bit in there, uh, there you go. of what John's working on in the AR VR space because it is absolutely incredible. If you want to just kind of talk about that real quick.
1: Yeah, I'd love to man. Thanks for uh, uh, this opportunity. So again, the the AR and VR work that I'm doing with 3D Media, the the mission is to bring the warfighter home at the end of every day safely. And that includes everything physically, safely, and eventually, we're going to be doing some of the, the mental health side of things uh, with VR and AR. And uh, I think there's a tremendous amount of work to be done there to, to bring the warfighter and the worker. We're, we're branching outside of, uh, out of, outside of DOD to bring VR and AR to healthcare workers, uh, law enforcement, first responders, teachers, education. So there's, there's tons of need out there for what, it, what we're doing in the VR and AR space and in ways that you wouldn't traditionally imagine VR or AR being used. So it's an exciting field, and I'm, I'm very happy to be a part of the 3D Media team.
0: Yeah, awesome, John. Thank you so much for your time, sharing your story, your failures, your successes, but also continue not only to serve others, but serve yourself by making sure you respect everything that you're doing and being present in the moment. John, thank you so much for having our six. Really appreciate it.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Tony. I appreciate it. Great show.
0: Sixers, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Got Your Six podcast. If you got something out of this, be a battle buddy. Share it with a friend. Pass along. Tell them what you got out of it. If you're listening on Apple, make sure you leave us a review. And if you don't like what we're doing, also let us know. We can only get better from hearing from you, all the Sixers out there. We're always here to adapt and evolve as this podcast continues to grow and thrive. And if you're listening on Spotify, hit that follow button and you'll never miss an episode when we drop new ones every Monday. I don't know what you've been told,
1: Sixers.